Welcome to the Occult London Podcast. This is a new podcast dedicated to exploring magic, mysticism, the Kabbalah, as well as other topics. If you like the podcast, please write a review and rate it on iTunes as it will really help us to get this message out there. Also be sure to visit our website at occultlondon.co.uk where you can subscribe to the show. If anyone has any questions for me then I'd love to hear from them so please reach out via Facebook or on email as I'd love to hear from you. You can find my Facebook on the show notes or alternatively email me at occultlondonpodcast at gmail.com. Hope you enjoy it. In today's episode we will be talking about the use of incense in a ceremonial and spiritual sense and how it has been used over the centuries. We'll be touching on some of its history before going more into how it can be used in ceremonial settings and how you can get benefit from it as well. As this is an introductory episode, I'll not be going too deep into different planetary incenses, Kabbalistic correspondences, as these kind of things can be looked up quite easily on Google. Rather, this is more of a introductory discussion on incense generally and why we would use it. Incense burning is an ancient ritual practice that can be found in majority of religions and spiritual practices going back to antiquity. The use of combining the aromatic power of herbs, spices, resins, oils and different types of aromatic woods to create a sacred atmosphere and a meditative state of mind conducive to communing with the spirit world is likely to be as old as mankind itself. Intense itself is an aromatic biological material that when it burns it produces a fragrant and nice smelling mystical smoke. It's usually made from plant materials and essential oils and it really gives a really nice ambience for meditation, therapy and also obviously ceremonial work. There's lots of different references to incense over the years. In the Bible we have several references such as the burnt offerings that Noah made to God after the flood and then there's also the the Lord smelled the sweet savour which is in Genesis. There's also the following from Exodus when it says, And the Lord said unto Moses, Take thee sweet spice, state, and onoica, and galbanum, those sweet spices with pure frankincense, of each shall be like a weight, and thou shalt make it a perfume, a confection after the art of the apothecary, tempered together, pure and holy. And also from Revelations, And another angel came and stood at the altar, having a golden censer, and there was given unto him much incense, that he should offer it with the prayers of all saints upon the golden altar upon which was before the throne. So the aroma is meant to have kind of soothed the God's anger and also kind of helping him not to curse mankind. So it's very much this idea of incense as an offering, which is something we'll be talking about later on in the programme. We also have the Three Kings, obviously, which is very famous, uh, bringing gifts of frankincense and myrrh. Um, Those two incenses are some of the most famous and probably well-known. 
and they are uh, solidified tree saps. The fact that the Three Kings bought incense as a gift also demonstrates what a highly prized commodity it would have been in ancient times and we know that the trading of incense and spices really provided an economic basis for lots of trading along the 1,500 mile Middle Eastern incense route which flourished from around the 3rd century BC to the 2nd century AD. This route would have been crossing you know vast distances of deserts um, beginning in the Yemen crossing Saudi Arabia and Jordan and then ending up um, in today's Israeli port of Gaza and from that point on you would obviously get incense and spices with them and shipped to Europe and it would have also made it possible for citizens of the the Roman Empire to enjoy these these different fragrances as well. Frankincense has a very sort of milky colour and a very sweet aroma and myrrh is tend, tends to be a bit darker and a red sort of pungent and sweet. In terms of aromatics, the word we have the word perfume, which is French obviously, which comes from etymon in Latin, meaning perfume or meaning by smoke, that is from trees and plants. And that's a reference to plants and trees in ancient times being used for use in sacred rituals where they were heated to relate their fragrance. The priests who were meant to have done these offerings would, would have obviously had to purify themselves before the offerings and also they would have rubbed different ointments on themselves and had kind of purifying baths. So again, this kind of shows this purifying nature of, of incense as well. The main substances used in incense were would have been obviously the resins such as frankincense and myrrh, which come from different trees, along with aromatic wood, bark, seeds, roots and flowers. And... According to the research, the incense used by ancient Israelites in their liturgy would have been a mixture of frankincense, storax, onica and galbanum with salt added as a preservative. In the 17th and 18th century, uh, different natural substances began to be kind of exchanged for chemicals that are used in the, in the perfume industry. And this is kind of where we are now with regards to sort of synthetic substitutes in incense today in terms of the word incense it actually comes from the latin word incendere which means to burn and it's likely it was earlier used in connection with death particularly in eastern cultures there's a long association with death and you can still see this today for instance it's bad luck it's considered bad luck to stick your stop chopsticks in a bowl um, as it looks a little bit like incense you'd use it on, on a kind of funeral pyre or, or a, in a temple and although there's lots of different theories around why they would have used fragrant wood, it's probably likely that they would have used it to cover the smell of cremating bodies. And that would be part of the kind of practical application of that as well. In terms of some of the history, so uh, incense was used in ancient Egypt where you've got uh, famous ones like kiffy, myrrh and sandalwood would have been favourites. Kiffy is a transliteration of the Egyptian word kapet, which means incense. It was also used by priests for the preparation of mummies and for embalming and fumigating ceremonies and tombs. And they've actually found graves in Egypt with traces of frankincense and myrrh in them. It was also used as offerings to the gods to protect from evil. Uh, so you can see this in places like El Mahasana, where resin balls have been found by archaeologists, and also in the temple of Bear, Deir El Bahari, 
which shows a number of different carvings depicting an expedition for incense. In the preparation of bodies, they probably would have used other scents as well. Um, so things such as asa, which was a blend of aloes, wood and myrrh, which was a very strong smell, so it would have kind of covered that smell of decomposition. Incense in Europe is likely to have come from the incense-bearing trees that grew in the Arabian and Somali areas. Um, for instance, myrrh, sandalwood, both came from the milk or sap taken from evergreen trees, as well as storax and benzoin, which all grow out in other trees as well. And there was also obviously trees coming from India, China and Southeast Asia. And obviously this stuff was very expensive, everybody. So this would have been very key in terms of a, a real commodity. And a lot of people would have got quite wealthy from this because these trees did not grow in places like Egypt and Greece and Rome, where um, they were used a lot, obviously, in these different temples and ceremonies. They would have um, used them, obviously, for daily rituals and practice and religious uh, ceremonies. So, for instance, in Egypt, we know that um, the daily liturgy before the sun god Amun Re, uh, and also in mortuaries when the souls of the dead were thought to ascend to heaven in a flame. And that really shows this religious significance. It's thought that this is one of the ways in which the living could communicate with the souls of the dead. Recipes for how the ancient Egyptians made kiffy are difficult to find. And there's lots of variations. However, we do find some mention of it in the pyramid text and also the Ebers papyrus, which is they think is around 1500 BC, where it mentions nine ingredients boiled in honey. Um, Plutarch actually describes this quite well when he says the following, and I quote, Kiffy is a mixture composed of 16 ingredients of honey and wine, raisins and galangal, pine, resin and myrrh, asphalos and saseli, moreover of mastic and bitumen, bulrush and sorrel, together with two kinds of juniper berries, of which one is called major and the other minor, cardamom and sweet flag, and these ingredients are not mixed by chance, but according to instructions cited in holy books that are read to the inset makers while they mix them. So we get this concept of um, this is very kind of much a sacred recipe that's been handed down through generations. And even today, there's lots of different kind of guesses in terms of what kiffy would have been comprised of. But, um, you know, we're still not 100% sure whether what we have now is the correct one. Apart from Egypt, it was also used in places like Babylon, the Babylonian times as well. So they would have used it to offer up to the gods and also as oracles and offerings. And also used extensively by Hindus um, for ritual and domestic offerings and uh, as well as Buddhists. And sandalwood was meant to have been used at the creation of the Buddha and Jesus. And it's still burnt at festivals as well as initiations and different rites in those regions. In ancient China, it was made from cinnamon and sandalwood, and they actually had temples that were built to burn incense. In Japan, um, incense was also used to honour the ancestors and was very much part of the Shinto tradition, so was used in Japan in the 6th century to the 14th century, and samurais would actually incense their helmets to appease the spirits of soldiers they would decapitate later in battle, Later, it also became popular um, with the creation of Kodo, which is basically a ritualised ceremonial form of incense appreciation. 
there's actually a story of the concubine Chao Fei Yen who would scent her body with incense to attract the attention of the Han Emperor Wu in 150 BC. And another concubine in China named Yang, Yang Gu Fei used a lot of different aloes wood to cover the scent of the body. So you get this concept of it being used to kind of cover up unsavoury smells, to purify, to also attract as well. In Greece from the 8th century BC, woods and resins began to be used as um, oblations and also for protection against demons. And it's also adapted within the Orphic tradition as well, which was later kind of adopted by the Romans. And we also see quite a lot of mentions of incense in the Greek magical papyri, which I quote, The proper incense of Kronos is storax, for it is heavy and fragrant, of Zeus, Malathion, of Ares, Kostos, of Helios, frankincense, of Aphrodite, Indian nard, of Hermes, Cassia, of Selene, Myrrh. In Rome, incense was used a lot, um, obviously within the nobility and the priesthood. So, for example, Nero, Emperor Nero is meant to have installed elaborate wall fixtures in his garden uh, to entertain the guests with a shower of fragrant oils and also kind of flower petals and lots of incense as well. And when his wife, the Empress Popopeia, dies in 65, he's meant to have actually um, embalmed her body after the Egyptian fashion and apparently burnt a year's worth of incense at her funeral. Within Neoplatonic Platonic traditions, there's also quite a lot of references to incense. Um, for instance, in the Chaldean Oracles, in fragment 224, um, we see Hecate giving instructions for making her statue and instructing the Thurgist to use incense, myrrh and frankincense. Alexander the Great, another very famous figure, uh, was also meant to have used incense a lot with regards to aromatics. And he also, this was partly, they, they believe, why he, he kind of travelled a lot and conquered a lot of countries because he was trying to get control of that incense and that spice route and whilst in Gaza which was the centre of trade in those days Alexander is meant to have found a huge quantity of frankincense and precious gums and spices um, he remembered apparently there's a story about this he remembers as a boy throwing huge handfuls of incense into the fire as a sacrifice and his tutor Leonatus saying to him you may be thus lavish of your incense when you have conquered the country where the spices grow. And apparently he thought of that and then after he'd conquered Persia he sent his tutor lots of incense telling him to be more generous to the gods in the future. In India as well uh, we have King Ashoka who was a king around 250 BC. He is meant to have fallen ill and after a successful conclusion of a seven-day search for storax incense is saved and his retinue are meant to have danced around wearing helmets and hats made from the wood of the storax tree and there's also another story of a householder who burns incense in front of a stupa at uh, which is one of a, a past buddha 
anointing it with sandalwood paste and other perfumes. And he has such a strong kind of heart full of faith and devotion that he resolves to achieve art hatship, which is essentially like enlightenment in a future light and lifetime. When he eventually dies, he's reborn and his whole being is defined by the rewards of this act of merit. And he is called Sugandhi or sweet smelling. And his mouth is meant to exhale the odour of incense and perfumes and his body smelled delightfully of sandalwood. In the 4th century AD, um, the early Christians start to use it in the Eucharistic ceremonies and it became a very much a focus and a symbol of the ascent and of prayers of the faithful and the merits of the saints. And until the Middle Ages, it was used very sparingly, but then it would have been you know, much more available after that. There's a story that's relevant to incense um, within the, the Christian tradition that it originates in the Garden of Eden, which was said to have existed in Mesopotamia, the land of two rivers, which is an ancient land of Asia Minor situated between the Tigris and the Euphrates River, which was meant to possess a great natural beauty. And since the inhabitants were at the convergence of four major trade routes, they would have burnt their incense daily. Um, Abraham is also meant to have brought the knowledge of incense to the Holy Land and that is also one of the stories around how it becomes part of Christianity. The sacred incense prescribed for use in the wilderness um, tabernacle is meant to have been made by you know lots of different costly materials. So for instance, if we read the book of Exodus, it talks about a specific recipe as follows. And the Lord said unto Moses, Take unto yourself sweet spices stacked and onica and galbarman. Those sweet spices with pure frankincense, of each there shall be a like weight. And you shall make it a perfume, a confection art the art of the apothecary, tempered together, pure and holy. And you shall beat some of it very small, and put of it before the testimony in the tabernacle of the congregation where I will meet with you. It shall be unto you most holy, and as for the perfume which you shall make, you shall not make to yourselves according to the composition thereof. It shall be unto you holy for the Lord. Whosoever shall make it unto it to enjoy the smell thereof shall even be cut off from his people. And that's from Exodus. So as you can see, that's a bit of a, a speeded through um, history of some of the kind of key aspects of incense and how it's been used over the over the years. As we can see, it's used extensively within uh, regards to funerary rites, with regards to prayers and the idea of kind of carrying up the prayers of the faithful up to the divines, just as the incense rises from the stick of incense or loose incense that you're burning or from a fire which would be the traditional way with an altar with a little fire on it um, just as that rises up so your thoughts and devotion would have rised up into the invisible world ahead that's all we've got time for today um, in the next episode i will be talking more about practical applications of this and talking much more around the kind of spiritual significance and symbolism and why we burn incense and
how it can really kind of elevate our consciousness and help us in our work. Thanks very much for joining us this week on the Occult London podcast. I hope you've enjoyed it. Please make sure to visit our website at occultlondon.co.uk where you can subscribe to the show. Hope to speak to you soon. Thanks. Bye-bye. Celestial rhythms, starlight threading.